everybody who walked in here today brought a dream. Brought a dream, man. We carry dreams, don't we? We have hopes and dreams. We have things that we we aspire to, things that we imagine, things that we long for. And we want to see those turn into reality. Everything, in fact, everything we see around here has been turned into, somebody's dream has been turned into reality. The Sky Tower was somebody's dream that turned into reality. I guess this, this building was somebody's dream turned into reality. And you and I have taken, have, uh, we hold dreams that we want to see turned into reality. We hold them in our hearts and we, we just long for the realization of those dreams. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it makes a lot of faith. And we often hear a lot about faith. But the chapters leading up to that chapter on faith are all about hope, holding on to the hope. And I'd like to talk more about hope today. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul. Here's a scripture that's well known. An anchor of the soul. It's a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. This is a bit awkward, you know. <laughs> anyway. Um, I have a story about, uh, a couple of stories about faith. And I'll, I'll just start with one of those. Once there was a boy who was um, involved in a house fire, and he was uh, badly burned and taken to hospital. And uh, there was a, a teacher, hospital teacher, who visited patients. And uh, his classroom teacher, his school teacher, said to this hospital teacher, would you please go to Johnny and tell him that we're studying nouns and adjectives at the moment, and so if you can, if you can learn that while you're in hospital, you won't, get, you won't be behind when you come out of hospital. So the teacher goes along to, the hospital teacher goes along to the hospital and um, sees Johnny there and is quite amazed at how, uh, how badly burned he was. In fact, he was dying. And so the, the hospital teacher delivered the message and then, um, and then uh, left. The next day, the nurses could not believe the change in that young boy. And you know what the, the, the thought was? The thought was that the boy had this thought that my school wouldn't have sent a teacher to encourage me to learn about nouns and adjectives if I was dying. And hope was a therapy. Hope was something which lifted that young boy and gave him life. Another story. Okay. Another story. Um, 
that's about a, a town called Flagstaff in America, which I heard of was um, in a valley that was going to be flooded. And uh, because it was going to be flooded, uh, about six months before, oh, well, you know, there was a, a dam being released, I think, and, and so the valley was going to be flooded, and this town was going to be covered over. And, and uh, about six months before this was to happen, um, people started um, um, not bothering about maintenance, and so the town started to go backwards. And I'll try and remember the phrase that went with that story. It was, when there is no future hope, there's no present power. Isn't that true? If we don't have a hope for something in the future, then we don't have the power for the present. Hope is something which keeps us going. Hope is something which keeps us alive. Hope is something, hoping for something more is something that keeps us going. And if we have that hope for the future, then we have power in the present. This is the verse that really kicked off my thinking in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. It says, Return to the stronghold, O prisoners who have the hope. This very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. This is a uh, scripture that was given by Zechariah to the, um, the Jews who were returning from captivity, and they held a hope that they'd be able to rebuild the temple and establish again their Jewish faith in the city of Jerusalem. Prisoners who had the hope, they had a hope, and yet they were, they were prisoners. they were prisoners because they had not yet realized the hope. You know, it's one thing to, uh, to have a hope, but we live waiting for the realization of that hope. Are you in that position with anything that you're dreaming about? It's like, yes, you have the hope, but until it's realized, it's like you're a prisoner. It's like, well, it's not fulfilled. I carry this, I carry this, but I, uh, and that's great, it keeps me going. But until it's realized, I'm not free. What does Zechariah say? He says, return to the stronghold. I think that means go, go back to the place of prayer. And the promise of God is, this very day I'm declaring that I will restore double to you. I love that promise from God. He is not one just who uh, uh, replaces uh, what we've lost. He adds more to us. So that's, that's how our God works with us. So we covered, he wasn't at, um, this hope we have to make of the soul. Um, got three things going on here. <laughs> um, 
what, what, is, what is a definition of hope? Thanks, John. It's a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it, or a belief that it is obtainable. Okay, it's a desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it. Now, uh, hope is different to a wish. It's different to a desire. I wish I could do this, or I wish I could do that. It does not have the same foundation as a hope, especially a hope which has come from God. And a, a, a desire for something, maybe I, I desire um, chocolate, or I desire you know, to go to Disneyland, or I desire a new suit, or whatever. That is not the same as having a hope of something. With a hope, we have an expectation that it's going to be fulfilled. And we have hopes of lots of things. I'm sure that God is interested in the smallest things that we uh, are concerned about. Um, but a hope which is from Him, which has been given by Him, is definitely something that we want to hold on to and see manifest. consider three examples from the scripture. One is Abraham. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations according to what had been spoken. What do you think of that phrase, in hope against hope? Do you find that you have to hold on to your hope? That you have to uh, fight for your hope? That sometimes your hope disappears, sometimes it's like uh, almost hopeless. Do you find that you have to uh, cling to hope even when it feels like or seems like there is no expectation that's going to be fulfilled? One translation of this scripture is. against his expectation believed in what he hoped for. Against his expectation he believed in what he hoped for. Because that word hope can be translated to mean expectation and it can be translated to mean hope. So in our expectation we believe anyway. We might expect something that's going to happen but sometimes we have to go beyond that and believe for more. Hope against hope can mean also even when there is no logical reason to hope. Hope anyway. Consider the Jews returning from exile. What sustained them was the promise of God. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it was too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, Will it also be too difficult in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? Is the hope that you hold, does it seem like it's too difficult for you? It's like impossible? If it's too difficult for you, it's not too difficult for the Lord. 
and it's not too difficult for the Lord. So, you know, I was thinking about God being supernatural. Uh, the supernatural is just normal for Him. It's just normal for Him. So it's not like it's too difficult for Him. And I think some of the process of believing hope against hope is a process of getting to the end of ourselves and trusting in Him. When we get go through that process of refining, getting to the end of ourselves and trusting in Him, then He is amazing what He does and what He can do. Look at the promise of God to the uh, returning Jews. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. And uh, through the whole of Zechariah chapter 8, ten times it says, Thus says the Lord. And when we hear God's voice repeating to us, No, this is what I want you to do. No, this is what I want you to do. No, this is what I want you to do. And it can be over 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years. God keeps on saying, as he said to Abraham five or six times I counted, you are going to have a son. You are going to be the father of nations. When God keeps on saying something, and you can't escape it, you can't shake it off, then we can be sure that it will happen. But hope against hope, we have to believe anyway, get to the end of ourselves, and then give space for God to work. Consider the Hebrew Christians. This is my third example. Abraham was one, the returning Jews from exile was another. But consider the Hebrew Christians. They were isolated and rejected from the world and from their kinsmen. They rejected the ways of the world. They, they didn't want to live as unbelievers. But they also rejected... <coughs> they, um, they no longer wanted to walk in all the ordinances of the law. And so these Hebrew Christians, they were rejected by their kinsmen and by the world around them. Hebrews 10, 32 says that they endured great conflict of suffering, public reproach, tribulation, the seizure of their property. And so, perhaps the letter to the Hebrews was written because they were struggling in their faith. So whoever wrote the letter to the Hebrews was encouraging them with this. Recognize that the Son of God has come and has spoken. It's not just angels who are delivering the faith. The Son of God Himself has come. He has rendered the devil powerless. Uh, Jesus is your high priest. He is in heaven interceding for you. You can rest from your works as God rested from his works. Jesus has been made perfect, therefore he can totally save us from every, every challenge.
basics. That's the last uh, bullet point there. Are we on the same one? Yes, we are. Okay, thanks, John. Doing a great job. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about the basics of Hebrews chapter 6. And we parrot them off as a teaching series, but just think about what they mean. We turn away from sin, turn towards God, we get cleaned up, we get commissioned and do the job that God has given us to do, and then there's a reward of the resurrection. Where are we on that? on that scale of things. Are we, are we really aware of what, what God wants us to do? Dreams are realized by diligence. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Through this uh, book of Hebrews, um, the writer is encouraging the Hebrews that to hold on to the hope that God's given them. How do they do that? Through diligence. It requires diligence holding on to onto, uh, hopes. One secular uh, counselor has this acronym of turning hopes into reality. H-O-P-E. H, of course, is hopes. O is hopes and dreams, okay? H is hopes and dreams, ambitions and aspirations, all of those things. Um, but having that, what do we do with them? O is to obsess with them. Maybe occupies a better word. But anyway, this uh, secular uh, person said, we should obsess with our hopes. To me that means we study them, we seek, we pray, we read, we, we meditate, we, we nurture them, we, we work on them, we, uh, until they grow and grow and, and, and we foster them in ourselves until the point where we can make some plans. And then the E on the end is we need to endure to see them come into reality. Hope, dream, desire. Has God given you a dream? <coughs> it could be a small thing. It could be a massive thing. But if God gave it to you, the size is not important. Has God placed something in you that is something that you long for, that you will give your life for? Is there something that you think that you're created for, that this is your reason for being? Or are you just hoping you'll pass the assessment on Tuesday? Whatever. We hope for many things, large and small. And um, I have talked to my maths classes about turning hope into faith. Not that you hope you're going to pass on Tuesday. This is how you can be sure you're going to pass on Thursday, on Tuesday. 
do these things. And learn your work so well, you, you know you're going to pass. It's the same with all of us, isn't it? As we seek and read and study and pray, we move from beyond, beyond hope to where we can plan and carry out the things that we dreamed about. So that was a, a secular way of um, turning hopes into reality, and I think it has a lot of credence. But I, I want to just focus on this one uh, about obsess. Obsess to the point of faith. <coughs> have you wrestled with something to the point where you gain faith? When you have faith, you have the assurance. And it's as good as done. As good as done when you get that, to that point. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And by it, the men of old gained approval. And chapter 11 of Hebrews just catalogs for us all the things that they did because of their faith. But I'm sure there would have been a journey for each of them to get to that point to see the realization of their faith. There would have been uh, a journey of, uh, first of all, well, is that you, God? Did you say that? Father of nations? How could that be? Abraham was nearly a hundred years old. How could that be? Then test after test, his faith, his hope, came to the point of he was sure that God would do what he had promised. He, he got to the end of himself. And at that point, he had the faith that God could even raise the dead and uh, see the dream realized. So the following chapter of Hebrews 11, chapter 12 says, after all that list of men and women who have turned their dream into reality, Hebrews 12 says, let us also, let us also, that's you and me, let us do the same, let us do the same, whether your dream is large or small, whatever it is, let us do the same here in our community, here in the far north. Imagine, you know, there are hundreds of us in the church today, here in Kaitaia, carrying dreams, hopes, aspirations. If we wrestle with those to the point of faith, and then we see the outworking of those, the blessing that it can add to our community. What we have to do, we have to lay aside every encumbrance. We have to lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. And we have to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing God's word. And I was thinking, about Samuel, 
1 Samuel 3, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And I wonder, um, we could all ask a question, are we hearing God's word? Is God speaking to us? Are we hearing God's word? Why was it rare in those days? Well, I think we just need to consider the state of the temple. And we are the temple of the living God. As we consider the temple, maybe we need to lay aside some things, maybe we need to um, make some choices, make some decisions. That means that we give room for God's word to speak, God's word to be in our hearts, God's word to be in our minds. Yesterday when I was at home, I was uh, conscious of how, how many things there are there were to distract me from preparing the word. I bought the age. Oh, that looks interesting. There's some interesting stuff in the age this week. Uh, there was a, a ball game on TV last night. I could have spent the evening on that. There were some interesting books and websites I wanted to follow up and there are many things I could have done but I, I recognised how easy it is to fill my life up with all these other things and perhaps not give room for God's word and I found every time that I do make room for him he comes and he blesses beyond my imagination beyond what I expect so let's lay aside every encumbrance, lay aside sin. Let's make room for God's word in our lives. Let's make room for God's word because God's word generates faith. And faith will see the realization of those things that we hope for. Give him time this week. Amen.